Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bounds. On today's programme, we are stepping into spring, but don't be fooled that that might mean any need to go outside. The days may be getting lighter and the sun's slowly starting to make more of an appearance, but there are plenty of TV shows on the way that give us ample reason to stay indoors and settle in. We'll be bringing you the best of the small screen today, discussing brand new shows and the return of much-loved programmes, as well as their menacing anti-heroes. I'm looking at you. Logan Roy. And in the studio today, with their first class recommendations, I'm joined by the writer and contributing editor for Days, Natty Kasambala, and by the TV critic and broadcaster, Toby Earle. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Toby, you're right. I am. Yes, yeah, I'm okay. Good? I'm okay, thanks. You're yes. on form. We're going we're gonna to get there today, aren't I we? I think so. I'm optimistic. <laughs> we're going to massage our listeners into some fine TV recommendations. <laughs> Natty, nice to see you again. Good to see you too. Two returning favourites on this programme. Oh, get out of here. Listen we're gonna... to this guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. You old smoothie. Toby, we're going to start with you. Yeah. This is, we're gonna, we kind of decided at the top of the show, we'd ask you what you guys are currently kind of indulging in, what you're currently watching. And for you, that is Ted Lasso. Yes. Toby Earl. That's right. Series three. Yeah. Okay. So the, every, everyone I know loves this program. It seems to have kind of hit a nerve and done what Apple TV hoped would happen, which is have a proper bona fide pan generational hit. Yeah. And or a, sort of a transatlantic hit or a, a show which yeah. speaks to both sides of the Atlantic. Not saying that's the only important ocean to address, <laughs> that there are many other nations and oceans and seas even to cheer up. Um, but I think, I think, I Let's don't know. Watch him get out of this hole. I know. He's dug for himself. Yeah, this metaphorical there are also, hole. There are also <laughs> basins and oxbow lakes, which also really like Ted Lasso. The reason I'm this mad digression is that I don't necessarily know they would ever think this was the show that was going to be the one that would give them the hit that it is. A show, a comedy about an American football coach that's gridiron for anyone who isn't <laughs> British or in any way you know, calls football football, who is given the job of coaching AFC Richmond, a failing team and turns it around turns it around. Not only and AFC Richmond is a soccer a fictional, club. Yeah. It's not a gridiron team, it's a soccer club, it's an association <laughs> football team so, and turns it around and this is its final series which which very pleased about. Glad to see it's not outstaying its welcome. Some yeah. shows do that, and that's to their detriment. But what this show did for me, and it came out, of, I think it was kind of pandemic-y, right, when it kind of came out. This show is the very sort of antithesis of another kind of pandemic-era TV show hit, Squid Game, whereas mm. that was about a guile and deceit. This is humane. It's warm. It's funny. People are nice. People change for the better. <laughs> and how many shows on TV can you really say that happens in? People actually grow, improve as people, become mm. better to people. I find it very funny. I think during a global <laughs> pandemic it was a huge source of comfort. So it gave you a bit of a warm glow, Ted Lasso, over the last sort of two or three years. A hundred percent. And nice. I think, you know, it's been rightly rewarded, rightly lauded. The cast top to bottom, I think, nail it. It's a winner. Hey, look, AFC Richmond might not win the Premier League. They might not even win the Champions League, but they've won the League of Hearts. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Toby L, they're looking for a poster quote. If ever there was someone. <laughs> so filthy. Let's do a bit of, we might have to do a bit of stock taking during this programme on how many shows have characters that improve themselves over the mm. run of the series, because I think we're going to some rather darker places, although maybe, maybe not. Natty, for your current uh, viewing, is shrinking from it the is. makers, I believe, of Ted Lasso. Of Ted Lasso. And mm. ironically, I might be the first person you've met who actually didn't really like Ted Lasso very much. <laughs> I gave it a try and I love a heartwarming show but I, it never quite connected for me and I I will go back because I just feel like I'm missing something massively after seeing how well it's done but in the same vein of that more characters who change and kind of grow Shrinking is probably my favourite thing that I've watched so far this year it's about one main therapist but a series of a couple of therapists who are all friends and work in the same office um, it's and, a good title yeah it's just it's great it's you know they're shrinks they are <laughs> shrinking Endless ways to unpack it. And the main character is played by Jason Siegel, who loses his wife and is kind of dealing with the grief of that. But we kind of meet him at his breakthrough, professionally and personally, in terms of how he parents and, like, moves through the world and sort of throwing out the therapist rule book to actually take, like, an active role in his patient's life. And it's super tender, super wholesome. You laugh, you cry. It's, like, super, like, laugh-out-loud funny. Um, and a growly Harrison Ford as backup yeah. always works. Oh, my God, he's doing so well. Um, he's just his perfect self in that. Jessica Williams also plays in it as well. She's a comedian who's kind of moved into the film and TV world, and she's this is her best role yet, I think, as she sort of, like, warms into acting. And then loads of new faces as well. It's all about parenting and relationships and, like, anger and PTSD, and it's just, like, again, gives you that sort of warm glow nice um, yeah I like that we've kind of plucked we've plucked some warmth at least for Toby from football soccer <laughs> from Socha and from a kind of a shrink having a breakdown in shrinking okay so that's the top of the show Toby we're going to start the, the show proper as it were now we're going to have a clip from your top choice and that is Rain Dogs I promise you I will write us out of here no don't promise just try Toby's back in the free world. God help us all. God, I've missed you. I've shifted out me, isn't it? I suppose you need money. Thank you. Oh. Take it up, Suze. Oh, come on, <laughs> stop being an asshole. <laughs> what are you working on? An undercover project at a peep show. Well, I will make Iris proud. I've got to hand it to you. Don't die easy. Try and tell what that's about from the trailer. <laughs> that's a good point. It's all over the place. In a good way, it looks like the show. What? Is Rain Dogs. Who's, who's, who's behind it? So this is written by Cash Carraway, who had a novel out called Skin Estate a while ago, and it's about her experiences as a single mum and trying to live and cope in austerity Britain, which you can imagine, not easy, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and what life was like. And this stars Daisy Mae Cooper and Jack Farthing as Costello Jones and Selby, respectively. Costello Jones is a single mum with a daughter called Iris, played by Fleur Tastian, who's fantastic, and she is trying to give her daughter the best life possible. However, she does have a slight self-destructive streak. And it is difficult. It is difficult. She finds it difficult. And I think you heard in the clip there about being undercover in a peep show. She, she does work as a sex worker because that's always work that is available to women, quite frankly. And yeah. that, that, that is addressed in that. There's sort of the reality of, of the situation. Yeah. As much as it's played for laughs, it's not. Well, yeah, this is a black comedy because her, her friend and would be Paramore, I guess, were he not gay, is Selby, who's played by Jack Farthing, who is an insanely privileged, wealthy man who is so estranged from his mother. And um, the father's dead. He's so estranged from the mother. He's not fully estranged from their money yet, but he has 
a self-destructive streak as wide as this. Look, should I go back to the Atlantic? He's as wide as the Atlantic. He has <laughs> vices. He has numerous vices. And, and it's about their friendship and about how they try to continue this friendship and to support one another while at the same time really chipping away at each other and it like i say it is a black comedy and there are moments which certainly i was not expecting i gasped at least once and <laughs> it is it is unlike her other way and i think you know one of the, the reasons i picked this is because daisy may cooper for me is someone whose work i i'm always mm. fascinated by w- what she's making if you saw am i being unreasonable which is on the bbc which she co-wrote with her friend uh, an astonishing piece of television that this is a a, a departure it's funny but goodness me it is dark at times it is it is dark okay thanks Toby. that is called rain dogs and that is hbo bbc for our uk listeners is this an iplayer job or is this hbo co-production that you need hbo for so this is an hbo bbc co-pro but it will be coming to the bbc in the spring nice okay co-pro yeah. i'm learning things lingo <laughs> Uh, that was Rain Dogs, as recommended by Toby Earl. Natty, we don't have a clip of your choice, yes. which is beef, because although there's a bit of swearing in the trailer for Rain Dogs, all beef's trailer was was swearing. And as much as our listeners are very patient with it, mm. you're going to have to. <laughs> I think if anything, you're going to have to go there yourself. Yeah, yeah. Here's my impression of the trailer. Um, no, but I, I do think it says everything that we need to know about this series, which does have quite an unhinged premise. Mm-hmm. Another co-pro, if I can steal that term, um, by Netflix and A24, which is always a good sign, mm. centred around a road rage incident that just escalates to the point where it consumes the lives of these two drivers who kind of deal with their massively exaggerated anger management issues. It's one of those like premises where I kind of had to check that it was definitely a series rather than a film. Yeah. Because I think I'm really curious to see how it pans out and how it paces itself to kind of keep up that intensity and momentum for across 10 episodes. But from the trailer and from what I've seen and read about it so far, I think it's going to be almost surreal, the level to which it kind of like escalates (laughs) and becomes... Yeah, I think just deeply unhinged. And our two characters, having read some comments on some mm. of the, the videos online about it, feel like they, they're set up for it to be a romantic comedy, an unlikely romantic comedy, but they just keep on and on baiting each other. Their beef knows no end, basically. Their beef knows no end. And so you have, on the one hand, Stephen Yun, who is one of my favourite actors at the moment, mm. and I'm really excited to kind of see him in a more dynamic role. And then Ali Wong, who again is a comedian who's turned to TV and film, she he's a sort of failing contractor and she lives a sort of picture perfect perfect life and I think yeah they I read that after the filming they both realized that they had come out in stress hives from (laughs) from the process and that I hope that we get to see some of that sort of method of that anger playing out in in real time I'm glad that both of the actors went there (laughs) yeah because it looks there's a lot of kind of bulging foreheads there's a lot of veins right fire and and bleeding yeah exactly um yeah, so, the, and this, yeah, this is bonkers. And this is kind of an LA set. It all, it's a kind of, we've got kind of some beautiful suburbia, mm-hmm. as you say, a bit of rich and poor in there and yeah, all the rest of it. Exactly. Under the blazing Californian sun, there is meltdown to be had. 100%. Actually inspired by the creator's own experience with a road rage incident where someone swore at him, he followed them, and luckily the rest of the series doesn't ensue in real life. But yeah, inspired <laughs> by a real life event. It looks amazing. I mean, I kind of, this again, with the, from the trailer, it was like, wow. <laughs> Yeah. So that, Natty's choice, was beef. And that is coming to Netflix on the 6th of April. Thanks, Natty. OK, so the televisual elephant in the room must be addressed. <laughs> Toby Earl, it is called Succession. It's the final season. Final season. We wipe both. We all wipe a tear from our eye, do we? I don't know. I'm grateful that 
you know, it's take it's done when it's done. I yes. think. I think this is it. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to have a clip of this? Why does everyone ask how I'm feeling? I got done a huge deal. I got the election. I got ATN. I got plenty on my plate. He's on the floor, Tom. Explain to me what he's doing. He's moseying, terrifyingly moseying. It's like if Santa Claus was a hitman. <laughs> It's as if Santa Claus was a hitman. Some zingers of lines is what we've kind of learnt to love from Succession as much as the drama. Where do we think this last series goes? I, I, you ju- I mean, there is... <laughs> That's the worst question to be asked, isn't it? It is I the apologize. worst question. Thanks so much for that. So anyway, Logan Roy actually becomes Father Christmas. There's a Ted Lasso vibe to this series. He turns into Father Christmas at the end, distributes his wealth to the poor and the needy. Brilliant. And everyone grows and becomes a better person. And I think that's how it ends. I think it goes a bit Frank Capra okay, by the end. Okay, that's what we want. So, we is want... that right? Have I, yeah. have I got that right? I think that's what happens. That's what we want. Um, Later to be performed by the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yes. Yeah, so, so Kendall Roy in this series is played by Kermit. And uh, there's a a huge change. The final series, I mean, again, I agree with you. I think this is going to give us 40 perfect television hours of social satire. Mm. I'm so pleased. And this sounds silly to say, I guess, pleased something that I love is ending. But I think when it has been this good, this consistently brilliant, the way this has informed people's view of the world, the lines it's given us, the performances, and of course, the writing, the most delightful poison that has ever been put to paper. Jesse Armstrong, who kind of cut his teeth on Peep Show and Lucy like Preble yeah. uh, as well, yeah. and and very and other writers. She writes. Too. She writes as well. There are lines the air there too. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, they've got the most the most delicious writers' room and, and lead writers on this series, which is a social satire. If you're not aware already of power, of wealth, of entitlement, and what I've loved about Succession is it's come at an era where we're suddenly very aware of these hyper wealthy individuals who own so much of what we watch or consume or who we vote for. And what it really boils down to is it's about ego. And, you know, so often the core of the show is about clashing egos. These people are not, they are wealthy, they are super wealthy, but they are not hyper-intelligent people. They just have a higher callousness threshold than other people because they are so entitled. They, are, they feel entitled to money, entitled to power and entitled to influence. And watching this this awful family, the, Roy, the Roy's, compete with one another for position of power has been delightful. I know I've used that word already, but it has been absolutely delightful watching them rip, tear strips off each other. Poison, where yeah. else Where else would you get a line where you had um, um, Tom Warbsgans, who thought he was going to prison, who read up on Roman history, he tells his friend and, and sort of punch bag, Greg, that Nero castrated and married his favourite slave boy after, after killing his wife, and Tom says to Greg, I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. Like, where else? <laughs> you, there's nowhere else on television you would have heard a line like that. It's super Superlative, superlative, and I cannot wait to see Logan Roy become Father Christmas. It's so exciting. I can't wait for him to distribute his wealth, as we've been <laughs> waiting for for three series to do so. What do we want, though? I mean, I know that you were keen to have your a, a two pennies worth <laughs> at least on Succession, it, Natty, as it we was all definitely are. Definitely on my list. Yeah. What do we actually want? The whole show started with um, around Ro- Ro- um, Logan Roy's supposed deathbed, didn't it? And we mm. thought that the succession was going to happen right there. And then, despite the, the, the main actor being such a big boy, do we want someone to succeed? Do we think anyone will succeed from this family or it'll be some outsider? I mean, I know it's the wrong answer, but I will always be Team Kendall. I just think <gasps> that he is one of my favourite characters that's ever been on TV. <laughs> from the rapping to the memeage, I just think he's incredible. And I, I think his heart is 
maybe he doesn't have a heart, maybe it's not in the right place, <laughs> but he seems to me like he lives the most in his truth. Yeah. And then I've also really enjoyed just seeing the actors sort of take on their characters' roles and relationships in the press in real life <laughs> and how they sort of relate to each other yeah. and talk crap about each other on in, in the media. So I think Kendall Roy slash Jeremy Strong has my heart for this season, and even though it's not going to happen. We should point people in the direction of the wonderful New Yorker profile of Jeremy Strong. I don't oh, know so many good ones. That, I mean, yeah. it's really, he's he talking of method. We were talking mm. about method in another show. He goes the full nine yards, I think, yeah. in a quite terrifying way. Did you play the kind of who are you kind of online game? You know, you know, it's a questionnaire. No. It's one of those questionnaires. Which character are you? I got Roman, which was... Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. Which I was sort of secretly slightly pleased about. But I don't know what that makes my callousness threshold kind of far superior to... Well, I mean, there was a, a Japanese rocket exploded. And yeah. it's like, oh you know, and he does, he's, does seems to have gone on with his life fine quite happily about he's that. And that, that's, a, that's another thing there, you know, in that show. In anyone else's life, that would be a defining moment that they would never probably get over. That's probably just a joke they send each other on WhatsApp it's every a comma, Christmas. Or, it? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just a little joke. But that's how brilliant the writing is. They don't have to dwell on anything because there's always new horrors to be found in these people. It is the final season, the fourth of Succession. That is coming to HBO on the 27th of March. Ten episodes to savour. Say both our critics here. Natty, we're turning to you. This is Love and Death. We're going to have a clip to get us in the mood first. Something's been bothering me a little. I have done all the things a wife is supposed to do the house the meals where is the payback I'm very attractive to you oh would you be interested in having an affair Great setup from Love and Death. This comes from, um, it's got a wonderful family tree, David E. Kelly and Leslie Linker Glatter from Homeland and Mad Men and all sorts of things from David E. Kelly's pen as well. Where are we and who are we in Love and Death, Natty? Yeah, so I think murder is in the air in TV at the moment. I feel like that was definitely a theme. <laughs> more death than love, more, possibly. More death than love, right. for sure, or death in the name of love. But it is a true crime series based on someone called Candy Montgomery, who is found with blood all over her at the scene of the murder of her best friend, Betty Gore, after taking up an affair with her husband. And, yeah, it takes place in a sort of small town in Texas among a community of church-going, like, family-driven Americans. And it's sort of that whole sort of bubbling under the surface of rage and violence that comes with these sort of picturesque lifestyles. Yeah, suburban. It's sort of yeah, suburban. suburban gothic there. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is a, is a real pattern. Mm. Um, <laughs> people uh, love to see kind of people with yeah. sort of two cars in the drive have an absolute <laughs> nightmare. Just be yeah. terrible people, like... Confirm all of their suspicions yeah. that it's not really worth it. Yeah. Um, and it feels it feels a lot like it's kind of like that episode of One Division. I know a lot of people have said it's a really big departure for Elizabeth Olsen, but it feels to me like it's that fifties episode of One Division gone wrong a bit. It's just right. sort of like mm. what happens after the fact when that one string holding her together snaps. And I think she's just great. Like I would watch anything that she's in. She looks great in this. Yeah, looks very well cast. Jesse Plemons as well. Wonderful. I was like, oh, okay, so he's, she's having an affair with him. Okay. I know. <laughs> Good on Jesse. But he's such a brilliant character exactly. actor as well, right? So that it looks looks like an amazing thing. I'm going to just read, I suppose this is the Precy from HBO, possibly. Two church-going couples enjoy small-town family life in Texas until somebody picks up an axe. <laughs> 
Yeah. So there and we it go. is a really brutal murder. Like I right. think it's forty-one times in in the true case that Ooh. that person was hit, Whoa. Betty Gore. So yeah, but I think it says a lot about me as well. I sort of saw her pick up this affair with Jesse Plemons in the trailer, and immediately was like, something's not right here. Like <laughs> I just know this is going to go wrong somehow. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to sort of see how it unfolds and her motivations and what exactly kind of pushes her to the verge. Yeah. And with true crime stuff, when you know that it's based on something that you can look up, mm. do you look it up? You know what? I, I'm not... I'm not. <laughs> have you cheated, Natty Casambala? <laughs> I have not cheated. I mean in the looking it up sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not in the love <laughs> and death cheated? sense. Have I picked up an affair with my best friend's husband and then yeah. murdered her with an axe? Um, I have not, you know. I, okay, I'm, good. I'm, I'm definitely more of a true crime in the drama setting than I am in the documentary setting. Like, mm. I kind of want to forget that it actually happened and just take it as the story that it is because otherwise I won't sleep. <laughs> Can I just ask, what, what, what is Betty's surname? Gore. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> like, good, what it? the heck? Yeah. yeah. Not as Couldn't in, write it. Not as in write Al. It. <laughs> no. <But> no. <laughs> uh, that is Love and Death, and that is coming to HBO on the 27th of April. Toby, back to you for Dead Ringers. Do you have a clip? Let's have a clip. Delivering babies. We're opening a birthing centre so we can do literally just that until the end of time. Non-stop baby. Yeah, you know what I mean. Do it our way. Total control. Birthing centre. Lab. Well, lab. Fucking yes. The lab is the fucking thing. Hey. You guys have, like, exactly the same face. Yeah? No shit. Okay, so fans of David Cronenberg might make the link here. Where are we with Dead Ringers? What is, who are Dead Ringers? Well, uh, as you might have heard there in the, the clip, a patron in a diner finds it astonishing that identical twins have an identical faces. And it <laughs> takes at great pains to point that out. So you're getting double your Rachel Vice okay. here. You're getting double yeah. Vice for money here. Yeah. And you really would like to think that's going to pay off quite handsomely. Again, another actor who sort of referring to Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Plemons before. Rachel Weisz is not a TV actor generally, I, I don't feel. And so to have her attached to this is feels fairly important, significant rather. Amazon, again, you know, Prime Video rather, their philosophy is less but of better quality. And this has the hallmarks of that um, endeavour. It looks terrific. Yes, as you say, this is inspired by the 1988 psychological thriller Dead Ringers, which which was about twin gynaecologists, Elliot and Beverly Mantle, both played by Jeremy Irons. They've lifted the names. So it is mm-hmm. so it's Elliot and Beverly still playing the Mantle twins. In, in Dead Ringers itself, the original film, was inspired by the real-life case of twins in, in New it? York, Stuart and Cyril Mark who were both gynaecologists in New York. Their death was unusual, should we say. If you want to talk about Googling, feel free to Google. <laughs> um, they had. They were also said to have exhibited eccentric behaviour during their time. So just, just what you need in a gynaecologist, I should imagine. <laughs> great, great. Let's go there. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Gosh. So so yeah. So there was a lot to live up to. There was a lot to live up to. What with you know the Cronenberg um, heritage. Mm. I, it, Is it, it, does it look as weird as the original? Because Cronenberg does go there, doesn't he? Yes. As a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, body horror. Given the fact they work in an obstetrics unit, yes. There will be scenes of unsentimental gore. Should we go back to that word as well? Let's go there. Um, you know, motherhood, the process of birthing a child, 
isn't just finding a baby underneath a cauliflower or you know whatever in the cabbage <laughs> patch because a stork kissed a diamond. You know, it is raw and brutal. And I think if you saw This Is Going to Hurt on, on the BBC, Adam Kay, the adaptation mm-hmm. of Adam and um, work, yeah, this is going to be unsentimental. And also, I am 100.93,000% certain extremely unsettling because these twins have very different personalities and those they've lived this what they've lived this sort of life together this world together and something is going to set them off that that world off his axis double helpings of Rachel Vice based on David Cronenberg reprising a Jeremy Irons role it's good stuff it's coming to Amazon Prime Video and that premieres on the 21st of April thinking about high quality but less of it tell that to my fire tv stick <laughs> if anyone's listening we're coming to, finally to you natty mm-hmm. and the bear it returns yes do you have a clip of a hot tempered kitchen oh perfect ibra make sandwiches don't stop making fucking sandwiches yes sir. i'm gonna make three sections okay they're gonna be wet Hot and sweet. All right, I'm going to take green tape, make those sections. Louis, yes, I want sir. you to get the sandwiches, put them oh, in the corresponding chef. sections. Copy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yo, sweet. Bag, Ooh. Sharpie, label that shit, please, chef. Yes, chef. Tina, fire every single chicken we have, please, okay? Yes, Richie, chef. do you even know how to do fries? Yes, I know we need them now. Okay, um, Mark, guess where are we on cakes? Uh, get in there. Well, that made me quite hungry. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> I was having That's... flashbacks to the stress of that episode yeah. all over again. So where did we leave the bear in uh, series one? Yes, yeah, so Carmen Barzado, Carmi, kind of, I don't want to give too much away, but he is obviously a chef that comes from the fine dining world, yeah. inherits this family sandwich shop from his brother who's tragically passed away and kind of spends the first season sort of struggling with the financial pressures and an incompetent team and a world of debt. And then he comes into some circumstances that suggest that maybe he will be able to realise some imagined future for himself that kind of brings the best of the both two worlds that he loves together. Mm. Maybe I'm a pessimist, but I feel like the tone of the show for the first series, which is obviously super fast-paced, like witty, funny, but also extremely stressful, means that something won't go as planned and maybe (laughs) there will be some hiccups and obstacles in the way. There's also a whole subsection of Twitter that is shipping Sydney and Calm together. Okay. Writers have said that there's probably no possibility of a romantic storyline there, but I will be holding out hope. Um, <laughs> and then we also have like the absolute wild card Richie, who I'm sure will find some way to just piss everyone off. Um, yeah. So we're in. So we're at boiling point. We're in mm. the kind of crazy, stressful world of a restaurant kitchen. Despite not being fine dining, it's no less stressful than exactly. one by the look of the first series of The Bear. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, probably a reason, isn't there, why Disney haven't commissioned. A program where someone runs their sandwich restaurant it goes really well they kind of end up with the love of their life and get a michelin star right <laughs> it would make that for might a, not have a less interesting series yeah i think and what's the kind of usp of the bear because people have loved this is mm. it the dialogue is it the action is it the mixture of the two the performances have been very yeah. notable people have loved that and, and yeah. jeremy allen white is incredible in it he's kind of they call him the working man's timothy chalamet <laughs> Um, because he came up in Shameless um, and he's just, he's great. He's tense, but he's super endearing. Um, Io at Debery is this amazing sort of like deadpan, like wry sort of inner voice of his that he doesn't really express with words. And then, yeah, there's just a whole host of amazing characters. I think also in terms of how it represents like, 
the restaurant industry really faithfully. Mm. Matty Matheson, who's a celebrity chef, is on the show but also advises on it. And I think like what people found really interesting was like how accurately it depicts like this kind of insanely chaotic food culture, like eating donuts off the floor and yeah. when they come in at three AM and all of those sort of aspects that you don't really get to see in the sort of more romanticized. You restaurant hopefully world. don't taste it in the food. You taste <laughs> yes. the hard work but not the craziness. Exactly, maybe. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's got so many great notices. Yeah, this would be one to look forward to. Thanks, uh, Natty. To talk about sort of what makes it so great, there was a great running joke in the first series where one of the staff at the restaurant, because he comes in and he gets everyone to say, yes, chef, yes, chef, so mm. you know what they're doing. Yeah. She calls him Jeff, Jeff the whole way through the series. So she just goes, yes, Jeff, constantly. Great touch. Yeah, and I do still call everyone chef when they step in my kitchen. So. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Jeff or chef, whichever you choose, that is coming up. It's, uh, we've got to wait until June for that. On FX. It'll be worth it. Slash Disney. Okay. Thank you both very much for your wit and wisdom and choosing things with such sweary trailers. <laughs> uh, executive producers will love us for it, and so will our audience. <laughs> and that is all we have time for this week. My thanks to Natty Kazambala and Toby Earl. And Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan Coombs and Steph Chongu. And Steph also edits the show. We will be back at the same time next week. I said that as if my two guests were going to come back as well. Maybe they will. Who knows? Um, but until then, it's not advice. <laughs> what a cold way to find out, right? <laughs> until then, from me, Robert Bounds, at least. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>